If you don't know it by now, I can be a bit controversial on how I handle my business and in how I coach other designers about their business. Running a design firm or any small business for that matter is not a one-size-fits-all wrapped up in a pretty bow. It's about building the framework from the ground up and having a solid foundation that will make it recession-proof. The Design Paradigm is a comprehensive and powerful coaching program for interior designers wanting a challenge and looking to grow. It has epic twists and turns in the way you might think about business. If you are a little rebellious in thought, want to win it, avoid groupthink, don't care what others are doing, and want a sustainable business over the long haul that makes you stand out, then the Design Paradigm is the right place for you. We will be a partner in reimagining and refocusing your business from the ground up. Find out more at theinteriordesignparadigm.com. Our success lies in a big way in communicating ideas. Welcome to the Damn Good Designer Podcast. Join host Cheryl and Liz, the visionary and integrator balancing all the moving parts of a full-service interior design firm. Get ready for a wild ride as they challenge the norms, challenge the industry, and challenge you with damn good truths about what success looks like today. Now your hosts. Welcome everyone. Liz O'Matic is here with me today and we are ready to dig into another hot topic. This one could be the beginning and the end of our podcasting career, Liz. (sighs) My fervent wish is for us to just say no to catalog decorating. Don't shoot me now, okay? Don't shoot me. Hear us out on this. If you do not do it, then your clients won't ask for it, right? There's some wisdom here. It really makes a lot of sense, you guys. It's good to break outside of the box and to do new things and to look for new things. It's really important. We don't really, we don't really have clients who say they want this type of design du jour, and that's really what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about buying a sofa at a barn or a barrel or that sort of thing, even though you can make a lot more money by not doing that, but that's for another podcast. It's really more about the concept of the Instagram influencer du jour and copying these kinds of looks, you know, these looks that everybody uh, seemed to want. And I don't really know why clients don't really come to us for that. I mean, it could be we have a, a shop that's uh, so not not mainstream that they're too scared to say they you know want white walls and wormy old pine stuff or something or maybe we're just doing a better job of attracting the ideal client than I realize I'm not really sure about that but regardless I, I just don't get the attraction to wanting your home to look like a freaking 57 pound fugly catalog if you know what I'm talking about some style that every Instagram darling you know has already done. That, that it's already out there and it's the same thing over and over. This is groupthink, I, I believe, uh, at its not so finest moment. It's human nature to be attracted to what you see more of, right? Right. I mean, but it makes it, it makes it seem normal and right. And that's what's happening because people are seeing it. They're seeing everything, this, this sort of look du jour, you know, out there and that people, that's, people are influenced by it, right? I mean, they're just influenced. Clients are being led by the media to think that they want what they actually want. And the sad thing is I don't, it's not even their fault. I mean, you can't blame them because it's the same thing in every catalog on every showroom floor. And if you're not out and about in a bigger city and having access to things that are different, it can be difficult, I think, for people to even imagine what more they could want. We really are fortunate because we have the shop. And so that is sort of our test kitchen for a lot of fun, new ideas and beautiful artwork. But we're going go. to markets all the time and we're, we're constantly, you know, we're reading, we're looking, we're all of that. We're, we're not getting our ideas from, from Instagram. 
Right. But that rusty bucket of bolts, you know, country farmhouse chic thing that everyone seems to have and everyone seems to want, you can't really blame people because what else is it that they're really seeing? What is it that's, that's out it. there that's, that's really it. breaking the mold? And that's just, the, that's the normal part of groupthink is that, is that people, you know, they, they are influenced by what they hear, what they see and all of that. The media does a big, huge disservice to our industry in a lot of ways. Um, it puts ideas out there, but, but are they ideas that are really unique, you know? And if it were me, I, I would say something to a client like, oh, you know, I thought you hired me to create a fabouche space that tells about your unique perspective or blah, blah, whatever, something like that. Not to simply copy what is being spoon fed to you via the media. You know, of course, Sally, this will be much easier to do when I can get home to drink wine way earlier. But I was so excited about showing you the most wonderful materials and fabrics I found in my work, you know, with a little side eye wink kind of thing. You know, the things that you have never seen and never will see because they are not on every street corner. Okay, I'm exaggerating just a little bit here, but yes, I could pull that off. And we have said things like that. If somebody does say, oh, well, gee, I just saw this or sending us a picture or whatever. And by the way, we don't have clients sending us anything after the initial intake. Once we do that intake, we make it clear that we have to go forward you know, now we can't be being sent every five minutes, like the newest thing that they see that will make be crazy. So, so yeah, mm -hmm. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I would say something to a client because I'm confident in our skills and I'm confident in what we have to deliver. And I'm confident about why people come to us because it is the truth. Absolutely. And this is a big selling point for us. And we make sure to note this during our discovery calls, the value that a client is going to gain with us and with our team is not only the visionary design and the creative thinking, and all of the experience that we have in the industry and on jobs, but access to things that they're not going to find or see elsewhere. We've cultivated this recognition and our portfolio definitely helps to bolster that the showroom is a bonus, obviously, but I think that the more that you put that vibe out there, the more people are going to resonate with it. As far as the showroom goes, I mean, I want to make sure that people listening understand, you know, this is a small boutique design showroom. This is not some big store with a lot of vignettes and that sort of thing. And it's an old house. So let me just tell you, you know, if you've ever had a shop in an old house and tried to move sofas around, you're almost like going, oh my God, do you really want to buy that sofa? Because now I have to get it out. And I have to put something else in here. And when you have a hole, when somebody does buy something, and you have a hole, then you're like, oh, geez, you know, you can't just let it sit there or rearrange things. You've got to move something else in. And Okay, so it's very colorful and, and very eclectic. And for somebody that really likes white and beige, it probably would give them an aneurysm or something, right, Liz? But, yeah. but I think that uh, it's, not, it's still not as big of a deal as you might think in terms of being able to show people. It helps, you know? But, but the truth is, is people don't know what they don't know or what they want, really. If they do, then they're not sure why they, I'm not sure why they hire a designer in the first place. You know, they may have a good handle on their style and that's great if they do and their comfort factor and be convinced they want the latest, you know, look they've seen on the catalog that ends up in their mailbox. But I tell clients, honestly, look, our job is to push you out of your comfort zone a little, to introduce you to things that you might not have seen before. Then help them tell their own individual story in their home, not some run-of-the-mill generic story that's akin to an episode of the Stepford Wives or whatever. Young people can Google that if you don't know what Stepford, <laughs> no, don't anything about Stepford Wives. Uh, play to the, to the FOMO factor, I guess, is really the best thing to do. I mean, sure, we can do that, you know, and be an order taker or that kind of a personal shopper. Or 
I can show you what we can do for you that is real design, not designed for the masses. Beware of the lemmings. This is a soul-sucking exercise in mediocrity for a really good designer. At least that's my opinion on it. Oh, definitely. I think, too, that we don't have as many directed conversations or dialogues with new clients about this sort of mentality, but that's because we position it in a certain way when they show up talking to us. You know, when they're interested in in getting involved, we're very strategic about how we position our services, you know, how we talk about the way that the design is sort of coming into being. And we like to make sure that our presentations come from a vantage point that is going to be fresh for them and ultimately for us. I mean, that's part of what keeps us interested and curious about the industry is being able to really explore and do new things. Right. You know, our goal is to be able to to really break the mold every single time and make it unique for them and make it feel exciting for us too. Yeah. And not that we are breaking the mold every single time because there's always clients that, that have a certain comfort zone and that sort of thing. But we, but we don't, we don't have clients bringing us, you know, whatever they've seen later. We, I think we, I don't know. I mean, I, you, you tell me, Liz, I mean, what is it about what we're saying or doing? I mean, I, I know one thing that we do uh, before a presentation, we make a very pointed effort to ask clients to have a willing suspension of disbelief. Okay, so mm-hmm. for those of you who don't know, that is a, uh, a theater term. It should be and, a, sh- a um, Cheryl Bumper sticker. Yeah, it should be a Cheryl Bumper sticker. I mean, I am probably one of the only people in the United States of America that lettered in drama in high school. Okay, I actually have the big <laughs> S for Saguaro High School that says drama on it. So anyway, I take a lot of, uh, you know, analogies or whatever from, from theater, but, we, but, but this is the truth. We ask clients to have a willing suspension of disbelief before they come into the presentation. And that's part of our buildup to making it a really like, you know, an event and all of that. Right, I mean, a really like a, a strong event. I don't, is there anything else that you can, I mean, I, I'm, I'm caught off guard because I'm not thinking of like, what is it exactly that we're doing that is not giving people that idea. I think it's a, a compilation of things, probably the, the website, right? And the, you know, that the oh, were colorful yeah. and, and different, the, the shop to some degree. But, yeah. but I think it's and what I'll, you talk to them about on the discovery call as well. Absolutely. I mean, that whole, you know, the dynamics of the website and the portfolio and the, you know, our added value, which I'm sure we'll talk about eventually, the ways that we kind of engage a client to begin with to really get them to understand kind of what our secret sauce is. Those parts and pieces certainly lead up to it. But I think that a big part of our dynamic in the office and with our team is to have multiple minds thinking about things, to be pulling in ideas that might be a little bit off the cuff or a little bit sort of on the edge for a certain client, but to be able to explain to them the rationale behind it and to really get them excited about the fact that it may not be the perfect solve for them, but we want to explore the conversation and and leave it open for them to really brew on, to not have an immediate kind of harsh reaction to the more that you can kind of plant the seed for them to experience and see something new, the more potential there is for them to gravitate towards that. So that's it's right. Like, why limit get, the ideas when yeah, you have and give this people a little bit of time to get used to this idea? Because it is all about the client. 
we don't have a signature style or any of that kind of thing. I'm not really into that. I'm actually much more proud of the fact that our website is very diverse, you know, and, and we're in a smaller city. So we have things on there that are budget friendly up to things that are, you know, mohair sectionals with expensive artwork and that sort of thing. It's, it's, a, it's a very diverse portfolio. But I think the, the one thing that clients will say about it is that, you know, it's, it's well done, it's well executed. And even though it may not be their style, it's something that is that there's, they understand and the, there is a lot of layeredness. And that, that, that one client we had, that new consultant, Dustin, said exactly that, Liz. I don't know if I ever told you that, but that was one of the things he said specifically. And I said to him, like, wow, that's great. Can I quote you on that, you know, on our website? Because he was talking about the, what I really liked was all the layers that you seem to put into here. Well, you know, you're not going to get that with the Instagram moment type of great feeds that, that have a million and 10 followers, but yet are actually just you know, pretty much the same everywhere. And, you know, I think design and learning about design is made up of, of a lot of variables in your journey, you know, and I, I'm worried, I guess, anxiety ridden about the education that tries and reduce some of the complexities to creating a beautiful and, and fabulous environment to just like one, two, three, or 15 steps to this or whatever, and making designers think that, that you can get that way so easily. And I think they shortchange those that are newer to the industry and push a focus on just getting it done or getting paid over learning how to create something out of nothing and then challenge that look du jour and, and also the problem solving and all that that goes with it. I think too, and we talk about this a lot kind of within our team about how important it is to be constantly ordering new samples and looking at new vendors and making market like a thing, like it's a challenge for us to want to see something new. I think that for as much as we love our vendors and we love the things that we're able to do, there's a certain verve that we get and excitement that we get about being able to talk about and really present new ideas and that translates people get excited about that right. part of the experience and the and fact that's, that that's where the passion comes engaged from. in it too yeah and that's Absolutely. where the passion comes from i think it's, it's about how to think about a room in ways not relating always to a sofa or a chair or a thing but rather how to infuse your client's personality and aura into the place they call home you know i mean that's what everybody wants i mean if you really think about it that's what everybody wants and they spend an inordinate amount of time in their home and i'm wondering you know as designers as an industry have we started phoning it in have, has the 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 covid pandemic and all the the supply chain issues and woes have that has that caused the industry to really start phoning it in is there a quest for real design anywhere anymore. I don't know. You know, my unvarnished opinion, which is what you're going to get here, is a comprehensive design vision is not just a paint by number set sold at the craft store. You know, this is only paint by numbers is only good when you know how it come out and before you begin, right? And where is the creativity in that? I think too, that for the most part, a client is going to be more engaged and more excited to sense that you are really locked into something that's deeper about them and their lifestyle and the space that they're trying to create when you cultivate that conversation around what it is that they've identified are big needs for them the things that they've said in their questionnaire maybe that trigger certain responses from you that is going to get you a better and bolder relationship with the client and i think more easy engagement on these new ideas that really is what helps to kind of facilitate getting through presentations where you might have some ideas that are a little outside of the box. So right. being able to really challenge yourself, and we talk about this all the time, because it's like, you know, vendors come out with 
with, you know, bedroom sets that have all the matching parts and pieces. And there's, a, we work with a lot of Romo product and there's so many beautiful color palettes that they come out with, but you see tendencies through certain fabrics that they bring out in each new launch. We're always sort of thinking to ourselves, like we can't just pull from what's easy. You have to really challenge yourself to throw something in that's got a new feel or a new sort of general vibe to be able to make a little bit of tension and texture and to create something fresh. And right. I think that's Absolutely. why clients show up at our door. I think that really is what they love about what we do. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it's not that sometimes I wonder when we get, cause we're on the coast, right? So we get, you know, some of those coastal requests and that sort of thing for the, the look, you know, we're always trying to infuse it with sort of a El decor meets the coast kind of, you know, vibe or whatever. But I always kind of wonder like, why do you really need me if this is what you want? You know, you just go down there to the, one of the, five or six stores that sells the same, you know, look the same, you know, resto type of deal or whatever, you don't really, you don't really need to pay me for this. And quite frankly, I'm just too far down the road to, to really care about it that much when somebody is really putting up a hard stop on it, you know, and I, and I do believe in relating to your client, you know, in, in every element selected in a roomscape that really contains um, hidden surprises, bits of whimsy, and a strong, strong sense of architectural grounding. And this is really important to us. And I don't think that we really can get away from that at this juncture, in the way that we work. If we have somebody that really is wanting something that is very typical or that they've seen somewhere or whatever, then we're going to try to infuse some different elements to it, some whimsy, some, you know, something there. The, the more important thing from a design point of view, it's not just about a chair or a part or a selection, but it's the sum of all these parts and pieces be, being, you know, imagined and thoughtfully planned, you know, for that particular family's lifestyle and that particular family's needs and their desires and, and where they want to see their aspirations and, and the experience they want to have every day when they walk in to their home. The analogy I use all the time about that experience is when I, every Tuesday or Wednesday, no, it's Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, Lucy comes to my house to do her magic, cleaning my house and making it look all fresh and new again. And the feeling I get when I come into the house, when I open the door is glorious. I know that I don't have to do anything. Everything, the dust is up, everything is clean. The bed is made, it's got fresh sheets and it's just a fabulous feeling. And it's kind of like that. That's the kind of feeling we want to engender, you know, in clients, but every day when they are, you know, coming home to their home. And it's about the creative problem solving for the inherent site conditions too, because we deal with a lot of remodels, a lot of remodels. And sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Sometimes we're not doing new builds with these glorious, beautiful ceiling heights and, and beams and all these things that architecturally the architect might've put in there or even that we could put in there, but we're dealing with eight foot ceilings and, and a box, you know? And that's when you really see the talent of a good designer is when you're dealing with that. And you want to pull everything into a cohesive whole. Really, really important. And I think that, you know, good design is very subjective. You know, I think about that every time I'm in a store and I see people picking things up and I'm like, oh my God, you know, that should be in the bargain bin. Why are you even touching that? You know? And so obviously good design is subjective, just like clothing styles and everything else. But seriously, is it really that subjective? I think we have had actually many clients make comments about this. And what I think is so interesting about it is, there are people who get in touch with us who maybe are not 
as confident about adding the bold colors or some of the bold patterns and the more rich and kind of luxurious details that you'll see in some of our portfolio. But what is always a really important response that they give in that initial kind of discovery and consultation conversation that we're having a lot of times is it's that's not for me, but I really can appreciate what you did there. Like I can really see what it is that you did to transform that space. A few handful of years ago, Cheryl started adding some of our before pictures too into our portfolio. And I think that it translates so much more of of what it is that we do. Because it not only, I mean, from the remodel perspective, it can be harder to see sometimes in just a few shots, but it really helps people see how even when you don't have interesting architecture or you're working with a basic box, you there build are ways your architecture. To, yeah, you build there's those a way. architect that architecture in, and what I mean by that is air quotes. But you build that architecture in with the elements, the layers. You know, from the ground up and the walls out, you build that architecture in the room. You know, and I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think, well, I think people see that. I think they sense that in our work. And I think that that's what helps them understand and have faith that even when things are maybe a little bit different from what they would have expected or even not what they would have envisioned, they're more open to it because they know that we have the chops to be able to get there. I think that when you limit yourself to specifying the same materials or to, you know, really limiting your resources to what you can only shop for locally, you're going to have less trust in clients being really excited to give you more control over the project because there's just not as much there in terms of the guts and the rationale to what you're presenting. Right, right. And I also don't believe you can practice comprehensive design with a a questionnaire, one consult, and the predetermined paint chips of the best whites and grays purchased from someone else. (laughs) I don't believe it. I don't think that's comprehensive design. Sure, it could be a one-off service or something like that, but I just don't believe that that's full-service design. It's not the kind of work that we want to do. You know, this is skilled and talented shopping, really, or just simply reactionary decorating to what you are shown in front of you, like what you're seeing. If you're spending all the time on Instagram, which is not where I spend my time, but if you're doing that and you're, you're seeing all that, you're just like the clients, that you're being fed that, a steady diet of that. You have to get out and go to, to Europe and go to the different shows that are there. You have to see different things. Look at commercial design. There is a lot of really great things from commercial design, you know, that you can then replicate into residential also, right? And there's, you know, a market for that decorating uh, type of, and there's nothing wrong with decorating, you know, we decorate every day. Now, I don't mean that. It's just, there's a market for that just being that shopper or best buddy going through or whatever. But yeah. but it, you have to ask yourself, is that really what you want to do? Is that why you got into this industry? And is that really what you want to do? Yeah, I would say that I don't think it's necessarily that we don't get inquiries like that. But I do think that sometimes you can talk someone through kind of what that is and what that really means to them to help them understand that maybe there is a deeper level of attention that should be paid to their space. But there are some people who just, they want someone who to, who can kind of pull the rest right. of it together. You know, they've got it three quarters of the way they think, and they want you to just kind of come in and judge it up. And that may be a, a partial service that you offer or something that you offer to kind of start getting your feet wet and, and get yourself off the ground. Yeah, but, but the further along service, you get, you know, you don't want to do that. Yeah, I mean, you the don't further want, I mean, along you get, it's, you know. it's limiting. It doesn't give you the same breath and opportunity. And the, you know, the pictures, we always talk about this, even in projects that are maybe not like the pie in the sky, beautiful, perfect transformations. We always try to get a couple of slice shots. As long as we can get a few little images of perfect little vignettes that really speak more to what we would typically do, 
that's what it's about. You know, you have to be able to capture that somehow. Yeah, yeah, true. And if we're going to design a space and truly consider all the elements, you know, and I'm talking about full service design here now, how they coalesce into a functional, aesthetically pleasing environment. We can't really reduce our talent to also one of my other sort of pet peeves, and I'm doing air quotes here, picking finishes, okay, or just designing cabinetry. We must treat our design services holistically and with an eye to affecting the entire space. And this is one of the things that, that Liz has a directive on the discovery calls. She wants oh, to yeah. make sure that even if it's just one space, that we are able to affect that entire space. That's the way that we put it. We want to be able to do it. And then if you want us to zhuzh up the office or zhuzh up the, you know, the master bedroom or something like that, yeah, maybe we can do that. Maybe we can fit that into it. But we have to be able to affect an entire space unless there is, uh, I will say that right now we have a couple of projects that are for really beautiful homes that, that they really do need a little more layering. And we're taking that on. It's like very specifically, but that's not the bulk of our work. So there's nothing wrong with small jobs. I like small jobs that fit in with the bigger ones and all that. You have to be able to balance all of your resources. It's not about that. It's about just like even really like a new build just coming in. And, and if a client comes in and inquires about us, again, quote, picking finishes or doing that aspect of the work alone, we say no. You know, it's just not our type of work that brings out the talents in the best possible way. We're not going to do that. It's not about going in and accessorizing or layering or, or doing some of that. We will, we will be selective about those types of jobs, but definitely those can work into it. I'm, we're not hoity-toity that way at all, but I'm not going to go in and select finishes for a kitchen or bathroom I haven't designed that is from the ground up. It's just not something that we're going to do. And, and here's the thing, we know we don't pick anything. You know, we envision a space fully developed and we select finishes and materials that works with everything else we're putting forth for the overall comprehensive design. So by the way, you know, kids pick their nose, right? Designers do not pick, they select. Please, 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 please. Let's take the pick out. It just is harsh to the ears. We select, okay? You want to be paid $200 an hour, then you select, you do not pick, all right? And these selections are, of course, a part of the grand overall ideation of a design space. I'm not saying that that's not. Of course they are. You know, they're, they're a part of it. But that's not just, that's an isolated thing that I don't want to do. Now, if you're just starting out or something like that and that's what you're doing, that's great. But just ask yourself, do you want to get pigeonholed into that and just doing that? Some people really like it. If you do, that's great. That's not what I'm talking about here. There's not a problem. I'm talking to designers that don't want to do that and they, they aspire to affect the entire space and they want to have things on their portfolio. But these items, these selections, they don't exist as just a part or a piece in our world. That's just not the way that we see it. They exist only as part of the whole. Okay, that's the way we look at it, you know, and of course, the whole doesn't exist without attention to the details of the parts. So it's very much a, a symbiotic relationship. Yeah, and you have to train clients to understand it from that vantage point. You have to be careful about the vocabulary that you use and the way that you present things. That sort of structure is something that we start ingraining very, very early. And even for us, again, it's on the website. It's the way we talk about it in the discovery call. It's the way that we talk during the consult meeting. You have to layer that in so that you are setting them up to really understand that even when you get to the very last little parts and pieces that need to be selected, the, maybe the last side table or your mm -hmm. floor lamp or whatever it happens to be, 
the sofa matters, the sculptural feel of the cocktail table matters. Those are all facets that are going to either lend themselves to or detract from the potential for that other piece. So rather than presenting things in a one-off type of way and training clients to think that that's all you're doing, you have to be more comprehensive about it. It has to be from top to bottom, a thoughtful way of speaking about it and presenting the information to them. Absolutely. And you have to, if you want to be a full service design firm, and that's what we are, you have to make that very clear that that is the type of work you do on the whole. You know, it doesn't have to be everything. You can have services, but it has to be presented in a way that that's what you do. And a lot of these smaller jobs sometimes lead to bigger ones, you know, but this is where we make the bulk of our income. And we do not want to be perceived as a shopper in a shopper role, performing just tasks. Okay, that is the thing, because then you become sort of like the hired help, right? And that's not what we are. We are not the hired help. We do not design without control over the elements that create the design. And I guess that's the part of me because I came up from the kitchen and bath world and um, originally 23 years ago. And I it's hard for me to go in and work on a home where we're not having we haven't affected the entire space or parts of it that I think are integral to whatever we're being asked to do. So I think that that's, you know, something that's really important in the overall concept of it, you know, and that, and that professionals, they understand their value and what they want. They understand what they want and they don't self-sabotage. And we've talked about this in another podcast episode. I think the last one podcast, I don't know, maybe it was episode three. We talked about this where you don't self-sabotage. And I, I think that sometimes, and some people are probably bristling right now. And I think that there's probably a lot of people going to bristle, you know, here and there. And, but I just want you to think about it. I just want you to sit with it and think about it, that you really do ask for what you want. And you have to be out there making sure that everything you do from a marketing standpoint, from anything at all is, is, is asking for what you want, is making right. that clear. And if you run around and are um, doing a lot of things and being perceived as a personal shopper, then you're not being going to get those jobs, those sweet jobs that are higher design fees and that are more portfolio worthy. You're not going to ever get those because you're not really asking for them. Right. You have to believe, I think, at a very core level in your brand and in your company and what it is that you are doing, you know, what your method is to be able to get clients to where they need to go. And it has to be pervasive in all the steps. It can't be something where, you know, you're trying to shine it on or you're trying to figure it out as you go. Being strategic and really understanding the core of what makes your client tick so that you can cater to that is 100 yes. percent of the success in this. Yes. And we wouldn't have a successful business without understanding and being able to provide the creative experience that we have to go through to understand how to best solve our clients' problems. You know, that's the truth. Without understanding design and challenging the paradigms of the confirmation bias that exists in every single one of us, whether you want to admit to it or not, it's nothing more than shopping and space planning. And I think there are parts of the process of delivering on your creative vision, but are not to be confused. These are parts of the process, but they're not to be confused with the actual creation of the designed environment. So in other words, when people ask, you know, on the Facebook posts or whatever, and they're like, how much do I charge for this? How much do I charge for that? You know, well, what are you delivering? What is it that you're delivering? What kind of, you know, are you delivering a full vision, a creative vision, or are you, are you selecting finishes or, you know, what is it that you're actually doing? You know, and I, I, I really worry about the beauty of custom design being reduced to this catalog decorating mentality and people or, or rather clients simply do not know what they do not know. Right. And it's easier 
as with anything, it's easier to digest what's right in front of you. It's easier to see the simple things, to work with the easy vendors, to go with it the, easy. you know. That's the yeah. thing. It's easy. And it's easy. being able to lean into that tendency can be damaging. You know, you want to make sure that you're setting a precedent for something more. And I think that as with anything, you know, you start to get a reputation or you start to see trends maybe in your portfolio. And that is going to start speaking to clients about what you do and how you do it. So, right. you know, you really right. have and, and to be to- willing to break the mold a little bit about that. Yes, and, and and work at it. You know, to me, this what you're talking about is is sort of the I guess the surface level of interior design, and it's it's bumming me out to see so many focus only on this these surface elements. You know, and 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 the questions are always about the surface elements. You know, with without really regarding developing their craft further and more, and without this time spent on the creative development and actions and actually doing the work needed to push oneself out of your own comfort zone first and foremost. I mean, you have to do that first and foremost before you can push a client out of a comfort zone. You have to get out of your own comfort zone, okay? You have to be able to to really explore the options that are out there. You have to really be able to look at everything in a different way. You just have to be able to do that to be able to go and envision and make that, add that architectural feeling and design to, you know, four walls and, you know, a very simple space. No amount of coaching or schooling or anything else will help you become a stellar force with a true, clear, and unique voice if you are not doing the work needed to push yourself out of your own comfort zone. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. No, it's not. I think that, I mean, you've trained us from a very early point. You know, I know Libby and I are constantly kind of talking about this where you do have to slow down sometimes and you have to look at it with fresh eyes. You know, the things that you have a tendency to say, oh, we could do it like we did it here. Oh, we could do, you know, we'll we'll use that solution that we used there. That trim (laughs) could work. It's an easy thing and it gets it solved quickly, which you know, if you listen to the Integrator Visionary uh, podcast, you'd know that that might be my tendency. But really slowing down to look at something from a different vantage point is what helps you be more creative. It's a much more in-depth way of being able to address a client's need, to be able to look at a space with a new perspective. And you never know what that idea might come to in terms of how it translates to the rest of the design. So I think that's a part of it. Yeah. And this is what makes you unique. This is what makes you have your own secret sauce. This sort of, you know, I don't know what the word for it is, but I I guess the secret sauce is the only thing that comes to me right this minute. But that is exactly what is making you employable. It's making you, people want to hire you because you have that look. There was a lady that came in to the shop, um, actually in the carriage house where I am right now recording this and came in uh, a while back and I was, uh, she just sort of popped in, you know, cause this is not really open all the time and whatever. And I was just here, you know, getting ready to leave cause I'm usually in and out and, and not, you know, I'm hiding upstairs in my office to get actual work done. Right. And she came in and she said, Oh, are you Cheryl? And I'm like, yeah. And, and she looked around and she's like, I need you. I need you. You're the only person in this town that can really put together all this color. And I'm like, well, you know, wait a minute now, because I've got this great team behind me, because it is definitely a team thing. But she relates that to us, to being able to infuse her home with these layers and that color. And it was almost, it was almost like this little fangirl moment. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding. You have to ask Miranda, because she was here and Miranda was like peeing in her pants. And it was really funny, because I was just caught off guard. I've never had that happen before, where somebody comes in and is really saying that. But that is, she is resonating. I've never met 
there before either. But she was resonating with the messaging that we're putting out there and that we are different and that she wants to be different also. She wants to be unique also, you know, and I think that that is is really like an important point that you are sort of lending this to your clients because you are helping them discover their individuality as well. You know, so in my perfect utopian world, designers will find their creative voice. They'll develop the eye. They'll learn how color, pattern, light, texture dance together in this in a particular space. Uh, and practice this art of design. That is really the sum up of it. You know, it, it may not, some days, you know, you got to pay the bills, right? So that's the truth. But I would just love to see a little bit more focus on developing that craft or people talking about that or it just being a thing. Or maybe there's, you know, of the 72,000 coaches out there that are talking about things like this. Maybe somebody is actually talking about, wait a minute, you know, what is your uniqueness here? What, what are you bringing to the table? Let me help you develop that, right? You know, similar to how this, an artist practices and practice. They practice and they practice and they practice, right? And they're, and they're always exposed to new stimulus, right? And they're creating and they're paint and they wad up the sketches and they toss them over their shoulder, you know, but they're learning more about themselves as they go through this process. I think that we often kind of lose sight. And again, this is, it's easy to say when you're busy because it's like you just want to keep up with everything. But I think that it's easy to lose sight of the potential that you're missing out on with every single project that you move through. So we really have tried in, in different ways to sort of address our process to be able to accommodate better for kind of the time and the mulling and the really creative diving in that you need to be able to do to have a better initial presentation, a more thorough initial presentation. And all of that really speaks to this whole idea of wanting to put the effort in where it matters, really focus the time and the energy that you're putting into the initial parts of your design discovery and your you know, creative concepting to get things to a point where they feel more fresh and interesting. And that is really setting the tone for the whole rest of the job. Once you land that first presentation, the rest of it can be so easy, but you have to set aside the time and you have to slow down enough to really be able to do it. And that's really, I think, a challenge for many, even when you're very far along in your career, to really make the time to do it. Yeah, I think yeah, that the I whole agree. catalog I, decorating thing is just like, you know, it's quick right. and it's, it's easy, easy and you move right through it. It's easy. And, and, and again, it's people succumbing to what the client wants because that's what they see. And that's the right. whole thing. You have to develop the own, your own confidence in your skills and what you're doing. So this is all like a cycle. And if you're not out there doing what you need to do to be able to put the proper stimulus into your creative bank and to be able to then have ideas and to be able to have that confidence to execute those ideas, you're not going to be confident enough to push the client out of their comfort zone. And you're going to get yet another 50 pound catalog looking room <laughs> or, you know, a lot of white walls and, and whatever. I mean, just, you know, whatever is du jour is. And I, I think that the thing that bothers me the most about it is that our stock in trade is our passion for what we do as a team. It really is. And, and this is something I look for in people that we hire too. You know, I want to know if they're passionate about anything. You know, I don't I don't even care what it is, really, because I can translate that right. pretty easily. But I don't see a lot of that passion lately. I really don't. And again, I go back to maybe this is something in the last couple of years that has been sucked dry from all of us, you know, in some way or another. But I can't focus and 
do my job without that passion. If I don't have that passion for whatever reasons, I can't do the work. I just can't. It doesn't, it's what, it's my fuel. It is my fuel to be able to get work done. And I think it's the same way with our team. You know, again, they're in charge of actually executing and getting things done. So it's easy for me to say, oh, yes, be passionate and not have to worry about timelines or any of that sort of thing. But it is so you have to balance all of that. And I'm all about this, the, the business end. Anyone who knows me and uh, gets to know me understands that I am a business person first and foremost, you know, but make no mistake about it. We are creating every day in some way or another, or, or having ideas or brainstorming or something every single day. And we work very hard on bringing that magic to a project, even if it's a simple, uh, small project, you know, and, and sourcing furnishings is of course, it's one more part of the job, of course. And I'm not saying that it's not, but it's just like, marketing, social media, doing drawings, creating storyboards, all the other aspects needed for the delivery of the magic. But it's just another part of it. But we have to get away sometimes from the tasking that's involved in creating a design to really fully develop. You know, and it's hard. It's hard sometimes with all the moving parts. And and I know that this is, again, like easier for me to say than it is for Liz or Libby or, or Jen or, you know, anybody else on the design team, because they really are having to move the project and advance the project along. So it has to be a balance, but you have to be able to take time to very specifically get out of your everyday world to really open yourself up to being more confident in what you're presenting to a client so that you can get over the people that do want to have the same thing that everybody else has, or they bring you a, a, a page out ripped out of a catalog, or, or they want to go to RH and buy everything there or whatever. I wonder if our schools, our, our coaches, our mentors, um, you know, are we failing newer designers? Are we failing newer designers, Liz? I think that you're, I mean, to speak to some of what you initially said here, I think that the authenticity that you do bring to every project and that kind of true like rationale and intensity. I think that those are the things that really are what we have become known for. It's not just the good design, but it's the really believing that these things matter and that talking through them matters and that not always, like you said at the beginning of this, yes. you know, that like I, it would be easier to just go home and like drink my wine earlier. But that's right. The truth is that that's like, right. I want to have d- this and we, extra. And listen, we do flat fees. So, you know, really, right. yeah, it would be a lot easier for us just to go home and to give in. Right. And to say, yeah, sure. And phone it in. Right. But I think that just like with anything, you know, I was just having this conversation with a friend recently who's got a kid going off to college. It's like, you hope for the best, of course, you know, you want to believe that the gen eds and all of the basic, you know, core curriculum that a student's being taught and the integration that they have with their professors and their university, that that's all going to be enough. But it really takes the person engaging in it and exploring it and finding the ways that it integrates and dovetails with other departments, wanting to go abroad or to join clubs or to learn other things about the world. Those are the things that help really foster an education. So no matter what age you are, right, no matter what age you are, those are the type of things that keep you fresh, that keep you engaged, that make you interesting. Those are the type of things that in what we do, I think, really make the design. They really make the relationships that we have. And a lot of our clients, I mean, heck, I just sent an email to a client. This will be our fourth contract with him. No, in the last fifth, eight years. Fifth, 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 because it's fifth, the office. There you go. Oh, did yeah, the office, that's right. The office, too. 
He, right. He's a young guy. I mean, he's in his, you know, I mean, he's mid thirties or so. And he's in just like an amazing client, you know, loves everything, but he's, and he's not easy. I mean, he's no walk in the park. I can tell you that right now, but he is, he's a great client for, for many reasons. But I think that he expects us, he has high expectations of us. He yeah. expects us to deliver I, the latest, greatest, like idea that we have right. to, that's going to rock his world, you know, without even really knowing it. And I think sometimes that's just, it's all about getting to know that client really well too. Yes. He has that trust. And, and again, that was set forth in a much smaller project many years ago when you first started with him. And I think that that Which is still the, looks good today. Yeah. That is the easiest way his parents live there. We just did a refresh on all the art. No, he doesn't. Ago. It's funny because he doesn't divest himself of homes. He likes to keep them intact with everything <laughs> we've done. Okay, I'm not kidding you. One is one is on VRBO that was like a small little cottage type of thing, like a shotgun shack. But the other one, his parents live in, again, with everything that we put in there down to the accessories. And right. he's one of the people actually, um, and then we'll get to our damn good truth here because um, and wrap up. But I, he is one of the clients that actually t- looked at me one time years ago and said, you know, I don't care what clients say to you, Cheryl, they want you to finish the job. They want you to do all the things so that they walk in and they see this transformed place. You know, and a lot of people ask about that. Like, how do you, how do you get clients to want to finish the job? How do you want them, get them to, at the end, to really let you do all the layering that's necessary after the big pieces are in and that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I've never forgotten that, you know, from him because he was really spot on. And I think that that just has to be part of, you know, what the whole process of affecting the space. You have to talk to clients about it and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to allocate for that. And it doesn't matter if it's a small job or a big job or whatever. I mean, we are not luxury designers. As a matter of fact, I've got a whole podcast that I wanted to do, you know, and, and we'll have to do that, you know, in a couple of weeks about redefining what really means a luxury client, you know, that'll, because I don't hold ourselves out to be luxury designers in any way, shape or form. I don't think that's what we're doing. I think it's, it's, you can be a really stellar designer by developing the craft, developing what you you really being able to deliver that magic to a client, whatever that magic, you know, might look like for you and for that client, right? Okay, so here's our damn good truth. Our success lies in a big way in communicating ideas. It really does. Communicating ideas is, is like, is just, you know, the thing. It's just, that's the thing. This is our focus from the first touch point and we don't lose sight of this. Reason being, this is really why clients are coming to us, whether they say it or not. They do not understand our world and that is okay. It's up to us to interpret their dreams and bring them on an epic journey that is not delivered out of a catalog. We will design, create, and execute a mind-blowing creative vision. Ideas are flowing, brainstorming with the fierce intensity, finding solutions, solving the puzzle. To me, this is essential for any designer who wants to be called one. Are you with me on this? Now, let's go make it happen. Thank you so much for joining us today and hope to see you back next time. You can check out our free Facebook group, Small Business Think Big. And as always, check out the design paradigm for opportunities to learn more. Thank you very much. Thanks, y'all. Until next time, stay bold, stay inspired, and keep embracing your bad girl spirit. If you've enjoyed today's show, head over to join the community at damngooddesigner.com to continue the conversation and sign up for our newsletter. 